This break is brought to you by the Marine Biology Trip, an evidence for faith adventure in science and the Bible in the Florida Keys for ages 14 and up. Here's what a past student had to say. Well, I've definitely grown in my knowledge on marine biology. I came here and I knew nothing and I finished through this and I feel like I learned a lot. And I also feel like I grew a lot in my faith and spiritually because it has taught me how the Bible works. It's something that you'll never get somewhere else. Here is a place that I have felt very at home. The group is very inclusive and some of the, all the people you meet here are going to be lifelong friends. Find out more about this adventure by clicking the link in the description or go to evidenceforfaith.org slash marinebiology. That's evidence, the number four, faith.org slash marinebiology. Coming up on this episode. You must remember that Christianity is not, it is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship with the Holy God. God uses the symbolism of marriage in scripture to describe the relationship between him and the Israelites. If we only listen to him for say an hour on a Sunday morning and then never listen to him again during the rest of the week, what kind of relationship are we gonna have? Think of a marriage like that. Consider a couple who are married, but they only talk for maybe a half hour, 45 minutes on Sunday morning, and then that's it. That relationship's not gonna go anywhere. That relationship is in peril. Hi, welcome to Evidence for Faith. It is your host, Michael Lane, again speaking with you. And I'm so glad you're joining us today on our final lesson on our series that we've been doing on Basics of Christian Living. Now, this has to do with apologetics, but to explain things in apologetics, to be able to defend the faith, you better be well anchored into it and know what you believe. And today's lesson in this Basics of Christian Living, this is the most important lesson, I think, of all. Save the best to last. So, this one is entitled, as you already know, How to Listen to God. This is going to be dealing with Bible study. And we already have on our website other lessons dealing with Bible studies that you can look at. But I want to look at this from um, the basics of a Christian living perspective today. So we're not going to get into the methodologies of a Bible study. It's more like, why should we be doing this? And you know, what's, what's the benefits of it? That's what this is about. So let's begin with this lesson. Now, I, as usual, I usually love to tell a story, and I have a, a story I want to tell you on this one. You see, um, a while back, a, a young lady approached me one, time, one day, and she came up and asked me a question. How does a Christian grow spiritually? And she asked me this, and she said that, continued, and said that since she had accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior, she says, I feel like something's still not right, like I'm missing something. I, I, I'm just not growing, she said. I'm just not getting more out of it. I'm not maturing, I think was one of the words that she used. And she asked me, Michael, is this normal? Is this how all Christians feel? Because I feel like something's wrong, like I'm really missing something. She told me that she felt like she was secure in her salvation. She had no question about that, but that she just wasn't growing. Hmm. How to grow spiritually. That's what her question was about. And this lesson is about answering that question there. So how do we grow spiritually? All Christians would probably say 
that they know they should be growing. Spiritually, we're talking about, but many just don't do so. I've come across many adults in my life that never have grown up spiritually or maturity into Christianity. They might have rode around the sun 50 or more years, but they're still spiritual babies. They're toddlers in their faith in Christ. They're, they're saved, of course, because um, spiritual growth does not determine whether you're saved or not. No, that's, that's something different. But they never become what God really wants them to be, never, never fulfilling what God intended them to be. They simply, and just a, the easiest way of saying it is, they just simply never grow up. Now, in this lesson, we're going to learn how to grow spiritually. This is important. It's not just in the life of a person, but also how Christians are able to defend what they believe. As I said, this is so important in apologetics because apologetics is to defend our faith. But to do this, you've got to be not an infant Christian. You really need to be able to talk about and know the answers and know what's in the Word of God. To grow spiritually requires you to read the Bible. It's a requirement. You really need to do this. It's not going to determine your salvation, but if you're going to grow spiritually, you have got to get into this. And I don't mean just to read it like you're reading a novel or like an assignment in school just to get the assignment done going page by page. That's not what I mean. That is not studying the Word of God. When I say to study the Word of God, I mean to get deep into this, to memorize things, and to study certain sections of it very carefully, maybe even go back to original languages, comparing different texts throughout it. So I'm talking about studying the Bible. And this then, by doing that, this helps you grow. The Spirit of God will teach you as you sit. If you invite him into this in particular, he will teach you, if you're a Christian, what you are reading, and to help you understand it. If you don't understand a certain section, ask him. He's there. Our last lesson was talking about prayer. The Holy Spirit is right here. So ask him questions. God wants you to know this, and you need to know this so that you can, can find the answers to give other people. And you get your questions answered also. And it will feed your soul by doing this. Have you ever wondered why non-Christians have problems understanding the Bible, that they just don't get it? Well, the other day I was listening to a YouTube uh, presentation. It was a young man. I don't know who it was really or anything, but the title of the YouTube caught my attention because this young man says that he had 10 major contradictions in the Bible. So it was lunchtime. I was sitting here with my sandwich and, and I was sitting here watching this thing. And I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see this and see what this guy says. So as I watched this YouTube program, it was a short program, but as I watched this um, over 30 minutes, he was talking about taking 10 passages and he took these verses or sections, passages of the Bible, and taught how they were so flawed. Uh, to me, as I'm sitting here, like, doesn't he understand what he's reading? To me, I could easily answer each one of his 10 contradictions that he is citing in the Bible. Why? Because I have the Holy Spirit helping me. I have years of studying the Bible, true, but I have the Holy Spirit who's helping me learn and has helped me to see through these passages and what they mean. 
Also, I have studied history. I've studied ancient cultures. I study ancient societies and their styles and, their, and their, the way that they lived, the way that they wrote uh, ancient languages and stuff. So I could see his confusion. But the key thing was I had the Holy Spirit helping me to study this. And he doesn't have that. Now, he could take the history parts and stuff, but he doesn't have the Holy Spirit inside of him. And the Holy Spirit is the one who helps me in studying the Bible and teaching me. Now, this is not uncommon with non-Christians, not at all. Non-Christians are not privy to what true Christians have and what they are. They have the Holy Spirit. So these non-Christians are often confused by passages and unable to comprehend the truth. I'm not criticizing to knock them down. I'm just trying to explain why they don't see things the same way as a true Christian would. And it's because they don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them and teaching them. It's so important that we have this. They are blind, like a veil has been placed over their eyes. That's why so many non-Christians just don't understand what they read in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're told that the Holy Spirit actually teaches us and instructs us as we study the Word of God. Those people who do not have the Holy Spirit, who are not true Christians, they can't get this. For instance, in let me just read the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse uh, 14. I'm going to read this out of the Net Bible. That's the New English Translation. The unbeliever does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Or I like the way that the Amplified Bible has it. Again, let's look at this passage, 1 Corinthians 2.14, out of the Amplified Bible. But the natural, unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God for their foolishness, absurd and illogical to him. He's incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated. And he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. See, the Amplified Bible, sort of, it's a little lengthy explanation and, and statement here, but it really helps you understand what this verse is saying. So if you ever wondered why some people just can't accept Scripture, that they just can't take your answer that you're giving it, and it's as clear as can be to you, yet it's so foolishness to them, here's your answer. It's because the Holy Spirit has enlightened you to be able to see this and not them. Oh, sure, non-Christians can understand bits and parts of the Bible, certainly. Without the Holy Spirit's help, the text of the scriptures often are concealed and they can't see it. Sometimes a person will read the word of God and the Holy Spirit does convict them and even leads them to salvation. But in just general Bible study and answering why they don't understand what we understand very easily, it's because the Spirit of God. You must remember that Christianity is not it is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship with the Holy God. God uses the symbolism of marriage in Scripture to describe the relationship between him and the Israelites. For instance, in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 32, this is out of God's Word translation to make it very clear. You 
are an adulterous wife who prefers strangers to her husband. Ezekiel 23, verses 37 and 38, they have committed adultery. Their hands are covered with blood. They commit adultery with their idols. They have sacrificed the children they gave birth to for me as a burnt offering to idols. They have also done this to me. They have polluted my holy places when they do these things and dishonor the days to worship me. In Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, again out of God's Word translation, it reads, Judah saw that I sent unfaithful Israel away because of her adultery, and that I gave Israel her divorce papers. But treacherous Judah, her sister, wasn't afraid. She also acted like a prostitute because she wasn't concerned about acting like a prostitute. She polluted the land and committed adultery with standing stones and wood pillars. Skip down to verse 14 of Jeremiah chapter 3. It reads again, talking about this marriage. God says, come back, you rebellious people, declares the Lord. I'm your husband. See that this is a marriage. In the new covenant, Jesus marries the church. That's his bride. The true bride are the ones of God. That's how this whole thing goes. The true bride are the ones of God who are in, in our covenant that we're living now. They are the true Christians. Those who have been born from above are born again. Look at what Revelations chapter 21 verses 1 and 3 reads. I saw a new heaven and a new earth because the first heaven and earth had disappeared and the sea was gone. Then I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, dressed like a bride ready for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, God lives with humans. God will make his home with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. You see the marriage relationship here between God and people? It's a marriage relationship. Now, this is so important for how do we grow spiritually? Let's examine what we're talking about here because God has put this upon symbolism of marriage. And let me tell you, I checked with a very good friend who's a marriage counselor and expert. He says that up to 90% of marriages fail today simply because of a lack of communication between the spouses. Hmm. Good communication then is vital for a really close marriage relationship. By the way, the second most major cause of, the, of splitting of divorces is adultery. And both those were addressed in this passage here. Now, how can you have a healthy marriage if one spouse refuses to talk to the other? I mean, think about it. This is often a death toll to the relationship, to any type of relationship. When one person shuts up, when one person's not talking at all, this is not good. A good, healthy relationship requires listening by both spouses. You have to listen to each other. Now, let's put this on a spiritual level. For us to speak to our spouse, God, we must talk to him. This is what we call prayer. Now, that's what we dealt with in the last lesson we did, was all about prayer, how important that is in our life. And prayer is important. We need to talk to God. We need to communicate with God. And God talks to us and he communicates with us by these 66 love letters that we call the Bible. 
These are the love letters of God. And to get to know God, we need to study this. That's what you do with love letters. You read them over and over and you study them. You even memorize things. That's what this is. So to be happy, to have a healthy and grow, uh, growing spiritually in a marriage, we need to let God speak to us through his 66 love letters we call the Bible. That is so important in spiritual growth. Next, we need to talk with God daily. If we only listen to him for, say, an hour on a Sunday morning, and then never listen to him again during the rest of the week, what kind of relationship are we going to have? Think of a marriage like that. Consider a couple who are married, but they only talk for maybe a half hour, 45 minutes on Sunday morning, and then that's it. That relationship's not going to go anywhere. That relationship is in peril. But let me ask you, how often do you talk to God? How often do you let God speak to you? How healthy is your relationship based upon how you listen to what God tells you? This break is brought to you by the Marine Biology Trip, an Evidence for Faith adventure in Science and the Bible in the Florida Keys for ages 14 and up. Here's what a past student had to say. And it's an educational, hands-on experience that you will never forget. <laughs> it's gonna stick with you. And you learn things that you probably wouldn't have learned in normal school. It's not what I expected to come here, but it exceeded my expectations of what it would be like. Because I thought it would just be like, okay, we do some homework, we snorkel, bam, done. You know, we see some fish. But like we got to see some really cool stuff and I've formed a lot of cool friendships that I probably never would have without the trip. Find out more about this adventure by clicking the link in the description or go to evidenceforfaith.org slash marine biology. That's evidence, the number four, faith.org slash marine biology. Look at it this way. Remember when you were in love? Maybe back when you were dating? Or if you're married, remember your engagement, that time period? Remember how you loved to hear the voice of that other person? You wanted it as often as possible. Yeah, you remember those dating days that your, your heart would, would ache? You're just longing to hear their voice? Because when you get separated, you can't hear their voice. So you long for the sound of their voice again. Just like a deer panting for water when it's thirsty. That's how you were. If you don't believe me that this is how relationships are, talk to a veteran who was overseas from their spouse and how they longed and ached to hear the voice of their loved one. They just craved it. They wanted to talk to their spouse so much, but because they were separated, they couldn't. No one else's voice brings joy like that one special person in your heart. You starting to get where I'm talking about here? So let me ask you now, where are you in your love for God? Are you married to him? Or are you just dating him? Is it just an occasional fling that you're having right now with God? In a healthy marriage, a couple can speak to each other, usually because they're with each other several times a day. But when you're dating, it's not like that. 
You may be only speaking to your loved one once or twice or maybe three times a week because you live in different places. Oh, yeah, maybe you'll call them on the phone and talk to them. Um, or maybe you'll, you'll schedule a date. You'll, you'll go out to, to dinner or something for a short period of time. But what happens at the end of that? You take her to the house, you drop her off, and she's in her house, and you go back to yours. You're separated again. Some people, this is how their relationship is with God. Maybe you go on a date only once or twice a week, too. So you're, you're separated for periods of time. You see, there's a difference between dating and marriage. When you're married, you're with the person. You get to, to be with them. You wake up with them. And you can spend part of the day when you're all together talking. And you talk to them every single day. At least you should. And you do things together. You go out. Maybe you go shopping together. Maybe you go see a movie together. Maybe you go to a restaurant together. You do a lot of things together. Maybe you go canoeing or, or walking in hikes and stuff. You do things together. And what do you do when you're together? You're listening to them. Some people are in relationships, though, just to get something self-gratifying out of it. We commonly call this being used Remember those days? Maybe somebody used you. If you're just being used for something and the person really doesn't care that much about you, well, are you just using God to get something? Or is your relationship real? To grow spiritually in a relationship with God, you must, and I mean must, be reading his love letters. Not just reading, studying them. And as I said, we have other lessons on our website on how do you study the Bible. Study the Bible. Just don't read it just a couple of words every single day. That doesn't really help you much. Let me explain it to you a different way. As I'm a biologist and I look at life forms and, and study life, take an example of, say, like a, um, to grow spiritually, you need nutrition. Okay? Just like a tree is planted in the soil, in the ground, it utilizes the soil and it consumes the nutrients from the soil daily, taking these things in. And it does this so it can go through photosynthesis, it can go through cell uh, reproduction, it can go through cellular respiration, and on and on and on. The thing is, they need to be fed. They need the soil, they need the water, they need the sunlight, all these things. And they just don't use it for a short period of time. 30 minutes a week on a Sunday, they're getting this as much as they possibly can. They're living like this, and this feeds them, and this makes them grow. You see what I'm saying here? Not just once or twice uh, a, a week or like on a Sunday morning that you open up your Bible, like a tree just doesn't use the soil for just a short period of time. They do this all the time. The plant continues to use the soil, to use the water, to use the sunlight. Or look at it this way. As a baby is born, it hungers for its mother's milk. This food source alone nourishes the child. It grows healthy and puts on weight. Let me read you something that I was reading out of the Academy, American Academy of Pediatrics. I told you I read a lot of different things. <laughs> the American Academy of Pediatrics states, a breastfed newborn eats approximately two to three hours around the clock. That's about 8 to 12 times in a 24-hour period. 
That's a lot of feeding. Likewise, we should be feeding on the Word of God as much as we can, as often as we can. And, and when you read it, memorize sections and think about it throughout the day as you go on. And it's so important. It, it helps us to grow in our relationship with God, to help us become spiritual and mature Christians. Peter, Peter himself, in his first epistle, he uses the same example. Look what it reads in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. This is, again, out of the God's Word translation. Desire God's pure word as newborn babies desire milk. Then you will grow in your salvation. You see? That verse is telling us everything I'm trying to get across in this lesson today. And I find it amazing that few people in the United States, just think about this, few people in the United States in our culture today willingly miss a meal because we're brought up in a culture to eat three times a day. That's just grained into us, drilled into us. It becomes a part of us to eat three times a day. And if a person misses one of those meals, they can sometimes get very cranky. They get upset because they miss this meal. We're so afraid to experience hunger pain in this country that we'll even snack on unhealthy things to stave off that feeling of hunger. I wonder, though, I wonder, though, how many people that we meet, that you see on the street or in school or wherever, are actually starving spiritually? They have so little food that they take in. They're like spiritual zombies walking around, staggering around um, in a weakened state. Do you know that God's word, and even him, him, he himself, often refers to himself as food for a feast? In John chapter 6, verses 30, uh, verse 35, and I'm going to also read verse 51, out of the God's word translation, it reads this, Jesus told them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never become hungry, and whoever believes in me will never become thirsty. I am living bread that came from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The bread I give to bring life to the world is my flesh. Now, of course, Jesus here is speaking on the spiritual, spiritual sense, not the physical world. We need to listen to God. We need to feed upon him daily on the words of God. This is our spiritual nourishment. If you want to grow spiritually, you need spiritual food to feed your soul. Without it, you are spiritually starving and weak. And skipping meals? Who likes to skip meals? It can make you weak. It can even make you ill. It can actually lead to death. And weak Christians are prone to spiritual illnesses and more. They're prone to satanic attacks. My Granny Lane, that's what I used to call her, Granny Lane. Oh, did she love the Lord Jesus? Did she love her Bible? She loved talking about God. When I would go over to her house and spend the night when I was a wee little boy uh, and get up in the morning, I would always hear her, if I would go up and say, hey, Granny, what's for breakfast? Or Granny, what are we going to do? She would always, always say this. You know, she would get up and she would say to me, I got to feed my soul before I feed my body. 
I've got to feed my soul before I feed my body. In other words, I'm not eating and I'm not fixing breakfast till I sit down, she said, and actually study the Word of God. That's what she was saying by saying that. So let me ask you, let me ask you, how hungry are you today? Have you had some really good spiritual nourishment? Or are you starving spiritually? Are you starving yourself today? Which one is it? But that's how you grow spiritually. It combines with the last lesson on prayer. Get into the Word of God. Check out our other lessons on how to study the Word of God, but get into the Word of God. Getting with groups, doing it individually, get into the Word of God. It helps you grow. This is your spiritual food. Lord, I thank you for this time we have here, and I pray that the people who are listening and have gone through this series, Lord, that this helps. But so much, how so much important this lesson here today is that we get into your Word and study it and feed our souls. Thank you for this wonderful gift. And God bless all who are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. And until we meet again, take care and God bless. Support the show. Become a donor at evidenceforfaith.org slash give. This break is brought to you by the Marine Biology Trip, an Evidence for Faith adventure in Science and the Bible in the Florida Keys for ages 14 and up. Here's what a past student had to say. Throughout the day, we'd snorkel, we'd uh, search different spots for different creatures, and then we would uh, classify, and then we'd do lectures by Mike Lane. He goes into deep detail about stuff that you probably didn't know about the Bible, and I feel like I have learned a lot more about like the crucifixion, even about like science with the Bible. So like that science helps prove the Bible, not the other way around like people at school try to teach us. Find out more about this adventure by clicking the link in the description or go to evidenceforfaith.org slash marine biology. That's evidence, the number four, faith.org slash marine biology.